Abbott has gone forward with Stewart to the right, Lineker and Howes to the left. Is Gascoigne going to have a crack? He is, you know. Oh, I say! Brilliant! That is schoolboy's own stuff. Oh, I bet even he can't believe it. anything left from this man to surprise us that was one of the finest free kicks that this stadium has ever seen hello and welcome to episode 64 of hitting the bar the football podcast i'm chris carl and i'm jeff saunders what a week jeff what a week it's been we're going to come to the big game as far as i'm concerned tottenham against arsenal the North London Derby before that your trivia question the question this week is quite relevant if you look at what happened at Millwall so the question is who was the first black player to play in the first division and for England at any level so he must have played in the first division and played for England at any level so we're looking for one name of one player who was it brilliant uh, and very relevant question fantastic all right let's start with uh, some of the games that preceded the North London Derby what's been happening this week. Burnley got a point, drew with Everton 1-1. I think it was a reasonably predictable result, I think. Um, on paper it kind of looked like that. I'm not surprised. Deitch is a very, very good manager and Burnley will be out of that out of that bottom three very, very soon. If I was any of the three teams above Burnley, I'd, I'd start to be worried now. He's, he's a good manager. He's got them playing better. He just needs someone to score more goals. Well, one of those three teams um, just above Burnley is Arsenal, but we'll leave that for a bit later. And so Burnley got a point, a team that are sort of uh, struggling alongside Burnley, but are probably more likely to go down. Man City 2, Fulham nil. Routine. But we, you and I, I think, predicted 4-0. Yeah, the City didn't didn't convert all their chances, did they? Um, and there was a suspicion that if Fulham could get their act together, they could get back into the match. It was kind of routine. I think it's one of those results where the coach is actually quite pleased. He's got the three points in the bank, and now he's got something to work on with his players. OK, you think you're good. This is what you did wrong during the week. This is what we're working on for next week. I still think City will come second in the league. They look good, and they're starting to look strong. The key difference... Well, there, there were two key differences that, that City have now compared to before. John Stones is playing well, you know, which is a, a shock to a lot of people. And Laporte, Amaric Laporte, isn't. He doesn't appear to be the, the shoe-in first choice that he was before. And the second thing, of course, is they look a much better team when Aguero plays. Yeah, big difference there. I think City are going to come good. Again, we'll come to Tottenham later and who's going to finish in the top four. Sometimes commentators say they didn't even get out of second gear. Uh, maybe they didn't have to and they took the game easy because because they knew they, they were going to win it. Is that a tactic that Guardiola would have said to them? You know, don't overstrain yourselves. No, I don't think you, you, you can set out to do that, but, but sometimes that's the way the matches go. You know, the City kept Fulham in front of them. They were comfortable. The problem always comes if someone takes a, you know, has a dip from 35 yards and it goes in, and then, then you have to reset again. City looked comfortable. The game was being played in front of their back four. They, they were okay. They didn't need, need to do any more, which you can argue is quite fortunate, because they didn't. I, I did get the feeling that if they'd had to up the pace they would have done and Fulham doomed Fulham doomed uh, right then we come to your team West Ham United against Manchester United we think Solskjaer is one of those managers along with Arteta who probably have been given far too much leeway by the press West Ham went in a, took, a, took an early lead 
Yeah, right up until half-time, West Ham looked very good, actually. And I think had had they got another goal or maybe two, which it would not have been a surprise if West Ham had gone in 3-0 up with the chances that they had and the amount of possession that they had. Um, a terrible miss from Haller, the miscontrol when he had the open goal. Um, I think we hit the bar. There were there were other shots. I predicted 3-1 to Man United um, last week on this, on this podcast. I, I couldn't see any other result. Their defence is weak enough that West Ham are going to score. Are West Ham good enough up front to get more than one against Manchester United? Hmm, not sure. But could Manchester United going forward get three goals? Yeah. And that's really how it turned out. The the detail of, of the individual goals I think is irrelevant. It was the £1 billion squad against the £250 million squad. What else do you expect? Yeah, because there is uh, some controversy about the ball going out of play for a throw-in and it wasn't given, which led to Pogba's goal. And we're going to talk about Pogba because his agent, Mino Mino Raiola, has declared this week, or yesterday in fact, that Paul Pogba's career at Man United is over. He told uh, Tuto Sport, uh, I can say that it's over for Paul Pogba and Manchester United, and obviously looking for another club. They've got a Champions League game this week, and his agent, a day or two before that game, has come out and said that he is going to leave, he's not happy. What are the, I mean, We know what agents are like, they're slimy and they use all sorts of tactics. Solskjaer said a couple of months ago he's going to be here for the next two years and I'm sure he's focused uh, on doing his best for us. Two slightly different opinions there. Yeah, but but look at the reality. What would you expect those two people to say? <laughs> You'd be very surprised if, if Solskjaer had said, oh, well, we don't know what's going to happen and Rayola had said, oh, he's quite happy. You know, Rayola makes his 15% on every move that Pogba makes. He's going to encourage him to move every few years. Of course he is. So, you know, why is anybody surprised? There's a load of nonsense in the newspapers from the the Man United sycophants saying, oh, what a terrible thing to do before this critical Champions League match. It will upset all the players. That's crap. Players know Pogba very well. The players know the situation. It's a situation that has existed at Manchester United for more than a season now. I don't think anyone there is very surprised about it. Yeah, we have to remember, and I think people sometimes don't, that these players when we're watching them uh, for us it's entertainment it's their job it's their office and people when they go into the office gather around a water cooler and one or so to another do you know what keep it to yourself I've actually uh, sent my CV to a rival company and people gossip amongst themselves and so those players will know some of them are friends of Paul Pogba's they're all mates they go to each other's houses for barbecues or whatever of course they'll know how he's feeling and what he's going to do they might not tell the manager what they've heard yeah that's right and and every single professional footballer knows very very well that as soon as the club decide they don't want him he's going to be off so why is anyone surprised when a player takes the same approach and Pogba has clearly been unhappy at Manchester United for a very long time he has he's come out of it very very badly because if he's as good as his the sycophants in the press say he is, he would have turned it round. You cannot imagine for one second Brian Robson or Keane being as helpless and useless on the pitch as Bogba has been for the last two seasons. They would have grabbed the game by the scruff of the net and dragged Manchester United to wins. And Pogba just sits back, oh, well, I don't like it, oh dear. And then invents injuries which keep him off the pitch for two months. And when he does come, we get one flash like against West Ham and all his sycophants 
facts and say, oh, look, a world-class player. Oh, how fantastic. He's not. He has not ever been a world-class player. He looked very good playing for Juventus when Pirlo was playing quarterback and, and directing everything. And, you know, Pogba is the typical guy who'll score goals three and four in a 5 nil, but he'll never get you the winner or the, or the goal that changes the match. That's just not him and never has been. He's not a great passer of the ball. He's a good inside forward on the edge of the edge of the penalty area and that's what he is and, and the inside left position and if he has a good passer a really good passer like Pirlo was behind him yeah he can look very effective but he's never done it for Manchester United yeah I think teams that win the league and Manchester United did that quite a lot have that player or those players that say we're not having this we're playing badly but we're still going to win we're still going to get points and as you said grab the game by the scruff of the neck and, and drag their team kicking and screaming to a result that was Keane and that was Scholes and, and those players you don't see that at Manchester United at all you see that very rarely in any team at the moment well actually at Manchester United you do with uh, with McTominay but I think it's one of the strikes against Solskjaer that he doesn't build that team around McTominay he's not the most skillful player but he's the one who cares most about winning and he will give everything for, for the team and you know he should be the first name on the team sheet to be quite honest with you he's the one who could do that but he has to he has to have the manager telling the other players and showing the other players this is the man make him captain for god's sake instead of Maguire who's who's sort of I don't know it's just completely ineffectual as a as a captain you know McTominay he's the guy with the heart he's the guy who makes things happen at Manchester United you know if they invest in him and and it's not not in terms of money but in terms of standing with his peers this is our man here He's the captain. You lot, you put as much effort in as he does, or you get out. Yeah, but Man United up to fifth. Uh, we still don't think Solskjaer is up for the job. They've got something like uh, nine victories in a row away from home, uh, which goes right back to June the 19th when they drew with uh, Spurs. However, still we're not, we're not convinced by Solskjaer. No, because um, the reason why they've won many more away from home than at home is that they are essentially a defensive team that doesn't actually defend very well and a counter-attacking team. A counter-attacking team will do better away from home than at home for the simple reason that the team at home will be expected to attack more and usually do attack more. That's what's behind that. They're still, Manchester United are still terrible at unpicking a defence that wants to sit back and say, OK, what can you do? The answer is nothing. Their defence is always likely to concede a goal. I mean, it's not a good defence. You know, fortunately, they played Henderson in goal and things are looking better. But as soon as they put De Gea back in, well, it's all going to go south again, isn't it? Yes, perhaps we should um, mention Henderson now because Sheffield United, we think, are now in desperate, desperate, dire trouble. Uh, Let's move on to that game because we mentioned Henderson, just for the sake of continuity. But Sheffield United lost at home to Leicester, a little bit desperate. One and a half minutes into the three minutes added on at the end of the game. Up pops Jamie Vardy and scores for Leicester. But you play to the whistle, you play to the end. And Sheffield now have one point in 11 games. Is the difference that Henderson is no longer there? It is certainly part of it, but not not huge, actually. The, the thing that Sheffield United have missed most is that their left centre-back has been out for most of the season. And that, that back three that they had were ve- a very, very good unit. And with, without him, they are, they are struggling defensively. They did struggle to score goals, score enough goals last season. You can cover up a problem in defence if you score more goals. You can cover up a problem in attack if you're defending very well. But when both things are going wrong at the same time, it's a bit tough. And
and no team has come back from one point in 11 matches to stay in the in the, the top flight and Sheffield United sadly won't. So only two places left for relegation. Uh, one of the other games the day before that was Chelsea 3 Leeds 1. I wasn't surprised by that. Chelsea are firmly a top four team at the moment. I was surprised because I, I thought if there was going to be a problem at Chelsea it would be in that match but they were very very good Chelsea. They coped very very well with whatever um, leads throughout them they looked very comfortable they looked very very high quality team it was a very very impressive performance there, there's only one thing now left for them to work on I think which is how to integrate Havertz into the inside left channel and generate the number of goals that they they started the season off with and once that happens they're, they're real real contenders I think yeah definitely they've definitely got the squad for it I think what they've got one of the better squads in that top four definitely I mean if you look at Tottenham doing really well we'll come to that but I think Chelsea definitely edged that uh, West Brom <laughs> last oh, they're the other team that are almost down uh, before Christmas West Brom won Crystal Palace famous for not scoring many goals five Palace were lucky and West Brom were very unlucky going down to ten men up so soon into the game I mean it completely changed the game I think it's a meaningless result you can't read anything from it other than you had 11 players playing against 10 to be honest um, Zaha had one of his good games but against a side that had lost their holding midfield player the defence was was reshuffled after he went off and and a ball player like Zaha is always going to do well in a situation like that that's never been the question about Zaha the question about Zaha has been how good is he against really good opposition that defend very well and don't allow him any space what's he got then and maybe the answer to that question is why he's still playing for Crystal Palace and not one of the top four sides yeah last week Roy Hodgson came out and said that he's only got one player Zaha and the statistics kind of point that way he, you know he was saying that uh, Zaha's the only decent player he's got and it's all terrible without him this week having beaten West Brom 5-1 he said I, I have sleepless nights because I've got such a strong squad I never know I don't even know who to pick first so we, which is it Roy you have to take what managers say after the match with a pinch of salt don't you and, and, and in fact before the match so basically take everything a manager says with a pinch of salt there is something which which I've noticed going back many many years and really because I used to play in that position there always used to be teams that had really really good attacking wide wide attacking players Alan Hinton at at Derby County Ian Story Moore at Nottingham Forest Steve Kindon at Burnley these were great attacking players but when they were taken out of that and put into a top team suddenly they didn't play as well and I think Zaha is is like that he's you know being the big fish in the small pond is is his place because they're always trying to punch above their weight and and the big team don't set out to stop that one player the big team does what the big team does and says to the small team what have you got and then sometimes this winger will come up with something and and look great Ian Story more fantastic for Nottingham Forest went to Manchester United a complete bust but he wasn't he wasn't any lesser a player at Manchester United it's just everything around him was different and Zaha is like that and that's that I think is why he didn't go to Arsenal a couple of years ago the Arsenal were thinking well mm, I don't I don't really know that was right instead of which of course they they blew 72 million on Pepe Yes, I know. When, when when you say seventy-two million and Pepe, people do laugh and actually prove their decision about Zaha to be correct. Yeah, the th- I mean, he went to Man United and came back again, didn't he, Zaha? What you said there about you know punching above your weight and being the best in a less 
strong squad reminds me of a okay, very uh, maybe very few people will remember but there used to be a player in the late 70s early 80s called Peter Ward who played for Brighton and Hove Albion and was sensational he was like a Sala or a Maradona he used to get the ball very, not a very tall guy and he used to weave around somehow the ball stuck to his feet weave around defenders and just couldn't stop scoring for Brighton and he was absolutely brilliant I think he only got a couple of England call-ups if that and he got signed by I think Nottingham Forest who were the big team at the time and couldn't fit in and then went back to Brighton and I think Zaha is very much in that mould I mean Peter Ward was a great footballer but possibly that was his level no, I, I think that's absolutely right and and there are countless examples over over the decades of players that look great playing for the, the lesser team and not so good at playing for the team that everything is set up to stop them Zaha well advised to stay at Crystal Palace I would suggest yeah always going to look good Liverpool were one of a couple of teams that had fans at the stadium. Tottenham were another one. Let's look at Liverpool 4, Wolverhampton Wanderers nil. There was one uh, moment in the match when VAR actually did its job. Cody was brought down by Sadio Mane in the box, uh, attacking there for Wolves. Penalty was awarded to Wolves. A whisper in the referee's ear, go and have a look on your monitor, we're not sure. He had a look on the monitor and actually took less than a minute. He looked at it and went, no, no contact, no penalty. Play on. But Cody then, did he dive? Well, if the referee believes he dived, then he should have booked him. Otherwise, he believes he fell over. That always looks a bit weak. Um, I'd suggest it was a dive, but there we go. We're not Cody and we don't know. Um, I think the important thing to look at is is not the detail of, of that particular match, but the fact that Liverpool are doing extremely well. They've conceded just four goals in six league games. Add in the Champions League and it's six clean sheets in 11. They've only lost one league game this season, Albeit that was the spectacular one against Villa. The last two home games, I think, are the uh, are the critical markers against Leicester and then Wolves. They've both followed a very uh, a very encouraging pattern for for champions who want to stay champions. On the face of it, they were very difficult games for Liverpool. Teams that defend well and break on the counter extremely well. So they should have been really tough games for Liverpool, but they came through them, uh, winning by a combined total of seven nil. I think Liverpool are looking a very very good bet for the title. 4-0 and looking very, very good. Fans back in the stadium. Klopp said he had goosebumps listening to them. Big moments. I think it probably made a difference to a few teams. Uh, Yesterday... Brighton and Hove Albion won at Southampton too. Southampton enjoying possibly their best season in the Premier League and they are one of only 11 teams in the Premier League, in the Premier League history, to reach 1,000 points with that win. Yeah, Southampton, you're looking surprised. I was surprised when I read that yesterday. Of course, you immediately know the big first six or seven. Uh, but yeah, Southampton right up there, having one of their best seasons ever. Yeah, on, uh, on the back of a very, very good coach who knows what he's doing picks the players that that do what he believes they should be doing and and the players clearly enjoy playing for him and love him so uh, you know, more power to them i hope they hope they get a top 6 finish i think it's it's a stretch it's a stretch but it's possible yeah i think it's a stretch i think their squad will be stretched and that'll be the problem compared to the big boys uh, but well done to southampton the shame for brighton who are going to stay up i think i think there are so many teams worse than them um, or at least 3 there's at least three, which is all you need. Uh, but Brighton do need to start pulling it around a little bit. Right, let's get to the big one. 
My team, Tottenham Hotspur in the North London derby. 100-year history of that game. Tottenham 2, Arsenal 0. And I think Arsenal probably lucky to get 0 in many ways. Uh, Son scoring what I think is possibly, the, and I think one of the commentators said it, the best goal at that stadium in its young history has ever seen. Uh, it was a sensational goal. The Arsenal players maintained a bit of social distance from him. Um, Hector Bellerin, as he does, all, did all game, uh, standing off players. Uh, he let Son probably weave past a couple of them, uh, but he bent them. An absolutely beautiful goal in for the first goal, and then assisted Kane for the second. Yeah, quite what what Bellerin and the Arsenal defence um, thought they were doing. I, I don't know. Oh, well, Bellerin, the holding particularly was atrocious. I mean, he's he's a very bad player anyway. No, he's, there's no way that holding should be playing in the Premier League. But there was only one thing on for for Son when he received that ball. There was only one thing he was ever going to do, which was cut inside, and he was either going to cut inside and lay the ball off or he was going to cut inside and take the shot either way the only thing he was going to do was cut inside so why did they give him the space to do it I mean they surely Bellerin is experienced enough and holding experienced enough to know that so shut him off show him wide say okay what can you do with your left foot it's just atrocious defending but for the whole match I sat there watching it thinking this is like one of those pre-season friendlies like the, the first match they do where they play I don't know Forest Green or Ilford Town or something you know the first match the players have coming back off the beach it looked like that the Wanderers were not not just a bad Premier League team they they were worse than a first or second division team it was absolutely shocking it really was shocking the unavoidable truth about the Wanderers is they're currently 15th in the Premier League after 11 games they've lost more than they've one they have no invention they've got desperately low goals tally i think only three teams have got fewer go- um, yeah fewer goals than them i i just sit there thinking what are you trying to do do you think getting wide and and lumping 44 balls into the penalty area is going to get you get you a result but apparently the groundsman thinks so i mean he was saying so afterwards he blamed the players again saying this is a quote it's not acceptable and we have to change it even when we were winning we were still a long long way from what i want you're the manager for fuck's sake if you want it get the practice it and get the players to do it oh it it was just terrible and tottenham well tottenham were, were very very good they were a Mourinho side doing what a Mourinho side does extremely well coached in defense they had with Sissoko and Hoiberg holding they kept the game in front of them they were very comfortable even in the second half when they allowed Arsenal to to come forward they were comfortable if you want to lob the ball into Alderweireld's head well you go ahead we don't we, we don't care and uh, it was absolutely shocking performance from 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 the Wanderers, and they're three points off the relegation positions. Yeah, as a Tottenham fan, you know it's always a nervy watch when you give the other team sixties. 70% possession in the second half but halfway through the second half I began to think well actually you used the word there Tottenham allowed Arsenal to have the ball we weren't going chasing it trying to get it back we were tuning up we were comfortable what do you expect us to do and I think Tottenham said there you are come at us because we are now strong in defence. You've got Kane, who actually cleared the ball out of the penalty area three times from one of those errant crosses. And then you've got Alderweireld, who, of course, yes. And then Hoiberg putting his life on the line. Every every ball that he went for. I thought Tottenham were magnificent. And sometimes it's not fast attacking pace football that can be interesting. I found that very interesting to watch. And I thought it was good to watch Tottenham put in that solid display. Because everything Arsenal put against us, we managed to, to counter. And I don't think Arsenal really looked like scoring. For all that possession, Aubameyang didn't have a shot on goal. Tottenham blocked every shot that they did have. Lloris made two saves in the second half. One of them 
almost exceptional where he tipped the ball round the bar. I don't think it was at much pace. But he had two shots to deal with all through the second half. If, if you want to see the uh, the one thing in that match that, that showed up how good Spurs were was when Ben Davis came on. Ben Davis came on sat in the, the position that he plays and there was no difference at all the, the, the shape was exactly the same the Wanderers did no more I mean 44 crosses against Spurs 32 of them from open play and they were praised by the groundsman for doing it they, he praised them he sent them out to do it in his post-match interview he, he presented the 44 crosses as evidence of how good they were his, this is a quote pure maths show that we will score that way this is bloody Charles Reap we're back to the position of ma- maximum opportunity and the Graham Taylor football. He said, if we generate that every week, we will win football matches for sure. What? Are we going back 50 years now? Arteta is supposed to be this genius, this savant. And what's he doing? He's channeling Charles Reap. I mean, for Christ's sake. You know, if, if we generate that every week, we will win football matches for sure. Well, if he hopes that James Tarkowski and Ben Mee, the Burnley centre-backs, are out of practice, given that they faced only 19 crosses from Everton, may, maybe he's right. Oh, honestly, that's absolutely shocking. He is an empty suit, and the sooner his, his, his acolytes and sycophants in a press wake up to it, the better. On what basis have they, did they decide that Arteta was a genius? On, on what body of work have they got to, to base that on? We now have one year of him in that position. And in one year, in the same number of league matches, the Wanderers have got 13 fewer points. 13 fewer. Their goal, the goals for are, are r- ludicrous and ridiculous. Only three teams, only three teams worse than them. Come on, people, wake up. He is an empty suit. Mourinho's been in the job for around the same time, more or less. Tottenham are top of the league. Something I don't think will stay that way, but it's a hell of a position to be in after a year. I think he's changed Tottenham. A lot of people say Tottenham are very tough to watch. A lot of people moaning that it is Mourinho's tactics have made Tottenham boring and dull to watch. Uh, but there is a lovely statistic that I found on the internet. Tottenham have scored more goals in the first 11 matches of this season than they have done in the first 11 matches of any season bar one in the last 55 years. More goals than we have in 55 years in 11 matches. And he hasn't restricted Kane. Everybody said Kane would hate playing under him. He won't get goals. Kane has got 11 assists, by the way, which is the same as Arsenal. And Son has got 10 goals, which is the same as Arsenal. So I don't think Tottenham are a bad watch. Obviously, he's a defensive coach, and that was something that was lacking from Tottenham's game plan. That and discipline, because they kept their shape for the full 90-odd minutes, and Tottenham are known for falling apart. Watching the game as a pundit, if you like, as a podcaster and radio host, watching it that way, I watched Tottenham not lose their shape throughout that game, no matter what Arsenal threw at them. And that's a difference. Yeah, I think so. Um, They hired, or Levy hired Mourinho, and Mourinho is doing what Mourinho does. As far as Levy's concerned, job done. It might not be the sort of football that many people want to see, and certainly it's not the sort of football I want to see, but you can appreciate it for what it is. And, And it isn't boring. It's just, okay, this is us. What are you going to do? And if you don't do it very well, we've got these guys up front who are going to destroy you. Now, that is no different to how Mourinho set up Chelsea with instead of having Kane up front they had Pog Drogba up front and supporting cast including Lampard to go and make the runs over which is the sort of thing that, that Son does they, they score goals from the same sort of position from the same sort of reasons why it's something that has worked in the Premier League and because there were no teams better than Chelsea it delivered titles 
will it deliver title this season to Tottenham? I don't think so because Liverpool are better and Manchester City are better and Chelsea, as you say, yeah. But it's an improvement. The defence is very, very good. Hoiberg and Sissoko sitting or Hoiberg and and Ndombele sitting are disciplined enough to drag that team up if they get down and start to lose their shape, they'll make sh- damn sure it goes goes better and goes right again. Alderweireld is a leader at the back as well. They're very, very well organised and they do what they do extremely well. And it isn't boring to watch. The second half, yeah, they they didn't show any great attacking enterprise, but, but they were 2-0 up and they didn't need to. They could sit back and say, OK, well, you know, we're comfortable. What have you got? And the team that played like, I don't know, the Johnston's paint trophy team didn't didn't have anything. 44 crosses. In, you know, it's, it's Einstein's definition of madness to keep doing the same thing, expecting a different result. You know, after 25 crosses, wouldn't you think, well, this isn't working at, at some point? No, no, but this is what the groundsman wants them to do. So that's what they're doing. I thought it was absolutely shocking performance. And, and I'm, I'm amazed he still got a job. Yeah, I was half expecting him to get sacked after that because as you say 44 crosses it didn't work they didn't actually try to take on Tottenham by driving through them uh, maybe Tottenham would have coped with it and it wasn't boring to watch Tottenham as a fan I enjoyed watching them defend so solidly it's not the same as watching goals being banged in but we were 2-0 up what do you expect us to do against our fiercest rivals when we are fighting for a top four let's not say the league top four spot I thought Tottenham approached that game exactly as any winning team would they did the right thing Arsenal did not, uh, and I thought Bellerin had a bad game, Partey had a bad, I think most of them had a bad game, there was very few, there wasn't one player I don't think you could pick out from the Arsenal Arsenal team who did well, but there were some who were exceptionally bad, but Aubameyang, since he signed a new contract, has looked out of sorts, he actually did play him in the right position though. He put him in the position, his favoured position, and yet... Well, he put him in his, his favoured position and then didn't play anybody that could pass the ball to him. <laughs> so, so what was the point? They have. that They are paying £350,000 a week to a player who'd be absolutely perfect for feeding the ball to Aubameyang. Uh, Aubameyang has always he got his goals in Germany and at the start with us with Arsenal running into the penalty box in the inside left channel exactly where Meza Ozil plays the ball he creates the space he makes the makes the plays puts his striker in and his striker scores why why give Aubameyang that, a huge contract when you're not going to play the one player who can make him look great it it just it defies belief it really does the groundsman's sycophants and acolytes in the press will continue to try and puff him up there was a piece this morning saying uh, all the things that he needs to get what he wants. He's got what he wants. He's got he's got the Arsenal job. Now do something with it. Act like a coach. Coach them. Yes, I know. I mean, we know it's probably not for footballing reasons, but they've got Ozil sat there without a squad number. I'm not a fan of Mesut Ozil, but boy, does that team miss somebody like him? Because he would he would he would have taken that game by the scruff of the neck. He would have done something special. Uh, maybe his cross would have actually found somebody apart from a Tottenham player, or he would have got the ball actually at feet in the box. So, why they're not playing Ozil, I don't know why Arteta's still in the job, really. Arsenal, who see themselves as a top six side, Arsenal fans on uh, yesterday going on about how many more trophies they have than Tottenham, and, you know, what's all this from the Tottenham fans about mind the gap? We're first. We're not going to stay first. You're 15th. I think they might finish mid-table at this rate if they keep hold of Arteta and keep doing the same thing over and over again, as you say. I don't think they'll finish much higher than ninth. Uh, Arteta, when asked if he was worried about his job, uh, said he's going to continue fighting and asked how he's going to turn it around. He said, by scoring goals. 
Very simple, he said. Brilliant. This is why he's in the job. We need to score goals. It doesn't matter what we do in other departments. If we don't score, we need to get the ball in the back of the net urgently. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's genius from the man. God, if only I'd thought of that when I was playing. You, so you, you've got to score more goals than your position, have you, to win? Oh, that's the, that's what we've been doing wrong for all these years. Maybe you can talk to David Moyes and, and, <laughs> and improve West Ham as well. I don't know. I mean, his comment, pure maths suggests the goals will start flowing. Oh, dear, oh, dear. I mean, this is pathetic. It is absolutely pathetic. And the Wanderers should sack him. And the sooner they sack him, the better they're going to be and all those all those people on the uh, the Arsenal TV who were shouting and screaming about Wenger out etc wouldn't you love to have Wenger now and all that all that failure that Wenger brought you oh it just it defies belief they're shocking and he is a shocking coach he's an empty suit he's not up to it yes Arsenal fan TV was an absolute joy to watch on Sunday evening uh, they were as normal furious calling uh, Mourinho all sorts of rather nasty racist names and being very uh, cruel about Harry Kane but still kind of laying off Arteta a little bit they were obviously were extremely angry at Bellerin but mainly they were just angry which is what Arsenal fan TV does and what Arsenal fans do and since then as I say you know all they've done is talk about Tottenham and not talk about their own problems and I, I we've talked about it before but Tottenham fans not angels not special not different but from other fans but they don't go on about Arsenal as Arsenal do about Tottenham you lose in the North London derby to Tottenham your team has got problems and what do you do go and do talk about all the trophies you won under Wenger many years ago but you're 15th in the league and something's going to change I hope they keep Arteta it beggars belief how badly Arsenal are playing but that doesn't take it away from a very solid Tottenham performance yeah it was a, it was a very good performance by Tottenham the caveat is look how good the, the team is that they were playing I mean that is not a good team you know the the challenges for Tottenham are going to come later in the season they, they always come after Christmas when when injuries start to bite and when the strength of your squad is tested and you start to play the meaningful match against your main opposition and you, you know you have to take at least a point from those so I personally can't see Tottenham Tottenham are a borderline top four team they might get into the top four but Liverpool Manchester City and Chelsea are better at the moment Tottenham are now playing like a team before we were a bunch of individuals in many ways Harry Kane has always been possibly one of the well the best striker in the Premier League along with Aguero one of the best in the world even but now he's doing other things as well he has as many as I said assists as Arsenal combined and he's scoring more goals under Mourinho than he did under Pochettino so that idea that he wouldn't has gone we are solid in defence got some great midfield players but Liverpool are a collectively a better team Chelsea have a, a stronger more expensive squad Man City are still the same Man City they have been so it's going to be tough but I think I think we're, the way we're playing at the moment it's looking like a top four finish but to- Tottenham are always just one game away from an absolute calamity uh, we gave a three goal lead away against West Ham you know that should never have happened uh, we've got Liverpool coming up shortly you know we said Man City would be the test we won then you've got Arsenal who are supposed to be top six we won but Liverpool is going to be a completely different game from those two so we shall see what happens but so far so good for Tottenham I think there might be a trophy in that team be it the League Cup or the FA Cup I think at the end of this season Tottenham could have something I don't think it's important whether they win a trophy or not it, the, the important thing is how well are they playing and where do they finish in the in the Premier League being in the top four of the Premier League is, is the most valuable trophy there is apart from actually winning it that's the target I'm quite sure that's what um, what 
Mourinho is aiming for and they're on course to, to get it the issue about you know the difference between the first half of the season and the second half is whatever surprises you pull or what it, however you look different in the first half everybody's now seen it so in the second half when you come for that second match they're never the same because the opposition have seen what you do and and they've practiced how to stop it and this is this is the strike against Mourinho for the last well 10 years in fact because he doesn't coach his, his attacking attacking players and because they don't have routines to go through and because they don't set traps with the press which Liverpool Manchester City and, and the others do when the team has the opposition has seen what you do and seen how you play and they've set themselves up to counter it what have you got and that's what the second half of the season is always about yeah we'll see what we're talking about this time come February so far so good for Tottenham I'm, I'm happy with the performances I'm liking watching them uh, one thing that uh, he said many very funny things did Mourinho after the game the first one of course was when he was told you know you're top of the league for the rest of the week uh, he just laughed and said yeah it's funny we'll have a laugh about that but you know it just depends on the next game that's all we're looking f- towards uh, he also said I want to send my congratulations to Mr Levy for signing Hoiberg for me uh, I think he deserves all the praise for that because Hoiberg was and is in every game pretty sensational no fuss no frills but uh, it's certainly no he's there yeah I, I, th- I think he's the one tangible difference in, the, in that squad compared to the players that Pochettino had and you know it, it does raise the question well what what if Levy and Joe Lewis had um, had released the money for, for Pochettino to get, to get a player like that when he wanted it but they didn't and they decided to, to give you know a fortune to Mourinho to change things around and Hoiberg is the, the visible result of that and he's a very very good player he always has been he's struggled with some terrible injuries over the years which have which have held him back and as long as he can stay fit then then he's a, a massive addition to Tottenham alright so in conclusion Arteta out I'm, I'm amazed that we've got to halfway through Tuesday and he's still in a job to be honest because I, I, there is no evidence to suggest he was worth the, the job in the first place all the evidence since he started has, sh- has shown that he's not why are they still paying him yes last week we were I suppose a little bit smug and found it very funny that Arsenal had after 10 games their worst start in 39 years after 11 games it's now 45 years <laughs> so why is he still in a job Any generally you'd be sacked after that sort of start to a season alright that's what happened this week Tottenham currently top of the league and will be until well definitely Saturday because the two teams playing on Friday are Leeds United and West Ham United so that is our first game this coming round of games for our predictions that's going to be a tough one for you yeah, that is because the way the way Leeds play is perfect against that West Ham defence. But I'll go for a two-two draw. Oh, two-two draw was it? One of the popular sort of scores this season. Two-two draw. You won't have fans in the ground for that stadium. We haven't really mentioned the impact that they had. But Leeds are one of those areas that cannot have fans for whatever bizarre reason. And just quickly, do you think it made a difference to Tottenham and Liverpool? There were fans there because the Tottenham fans are very vocal. They were probably all mic'd up, but it was good to see at least. Yeah. I'm not sure it would have made that much of a difference on the pitch. I think it made a bigger difference on TV because of the miking of it. So I'm I'm not convinced. I mean, if all the players turn around and say, oh, yeah, it was great, then maybe it was. But equally, maybe they're just saying it to keep the fans on side and say, we're thinking of you and all that sort of PR stuff. I don't know. Yeah, it's pretty much what Kane and Klopp and Mourinho said. Good to have them back. Mourinho said they made a difference. Uh, all right, so that's Leeds United against West Ham. You're going for 2-2. I think it is a draw. I think it is a draw yeah on Saturday Wolves um, the other Wanderers against Aston Villa 
I'm going to go two one to Wolves because they've got to start coming good and they've got to start attacking in the first half. I think the writing's on the wall there, and uh, Nuno has has got to get them performing in the first half as well as the second. If they could play the first half as well as they play every second half, then they might be in the top four. But he's got to get them doing it at some point. Yeah. 2-1. 2-1 to Wolves. And then we've got Newcastle United against West Bromwich Albion. Newcastle's game last week was postponed. So they've got games in hand already. They'll be a backlog. Thankfully, they're not in too many competitions. Uh, Newcastle against West Brom is one of our top tips to go down. Yeah, I think West Brom will go down. But equally, I think they're going to win this match 2-1. Interesting, yeah. Uh, then, I suppose you could say one of the big games of the weekend, because it's a derby. Manchester United against Manchester City. Now, United... are kind of defying the odds and the lack of experience in their manager by being fifth doing as well as doing mean, that's not bad that's not bad but Man City as you say one of the strongest in the league is that a Man City win? I'm going to say that's a draw Derbies are usually draws and I think this one will be as well don't forget that Solskjaer with his inexperience has got Manchester United to fifth and they're above Manchester City um, but uh, no a draw I think alright we're going to go for a draw uh, then Everton against Chelsea I don't think there's much in that one for Everton yeah, 2-1 two, two to Chelsea, I think. Yeah, I think you're probably right. Calvert-Lewin to get the one for Everton, as he always does. I'd like to see that to be a draw, or at least an Everton, at least, or an Everton win, but I don't think that's going to happen. Sunday, full fixture list, and we've got Southampton against Sheffield United. Fill your boots, Southampton. It should be a comfortable Southampton win, yeah. Yeah, 3-0. Yeah. And then we've got a game, again, my Spurs are away at Palace, a game where I think Tottenham, you'll probably see a little bit more attacking from Tottenham in that game, a little bit more open play, and I'm going to go for 2-0 to Tottenham. I think that'll be a draw, 2-2, because Palace love up, up, upsetting um, higher-placed op- opposition, and they've got a good track record doing it, so I think they'll get a draw out of that. Actually, yeah, that does happen quite a lot, especially when, when you've got a top team who've come off the back of three clean sheets in a row four out of the last five games clean sheets drew with Chelsea beat Man City beat Arsenal riding on a high and then come a cropper against somebody like Palace Palace do do that Uh, then we've got Fulham against Liverpool well men against boys pick a number for Liverpool really and Fulham will be nil Uh, (laughs) pick any number for Liverpool alright yeah that's a Liverpool 3-4-0 yeah we think and then Arsenal are at home and they will have fans in the stadium 2,000 which is uh, if they can find 2,000 against Burnley now that's going to be an opportunity for Arteta to prove his his worth Um, I think they've got to win that 2-0 haven't they surely you you put the players down from each team side by side and Arsenal should should win that if they go into it doing what uh, the groundsman said they're going to do which is lump balls into the penalty area get lots of people in there and they must score well Burnley could could come away with a win the the issue for Burnley of course is scoring goals and that's the difficult thing for them I'll go for 1-1 draw and then we've got Leicester City against Brighton. You would think Leicester would win that. Yeah, and I think they will 2-1. All right, those are our predictions. Uh, time for the answer to your trivia question. Okay, the question was, who was the first black player to both play in the first division and for England at any level? He played for England in the under-18s, by the way, and his name was John Charles. Well, he played for, for West Ham as a defender, and he was the first black player to represent England at any level. And in his at his funeral, Brian Deer, who's the famous centre forward for West Ham, said, Football is surely indebted to him as he undoubtedly paved the way for his black brothers who now enjoy the fame, riches and adulation which he most certainly helped make possible. All right, that's fascinating. Brilliant stuff. Thank you, Jeff. That's all we've got time for. We'll be back next week. In the meantime, I'm Chris Carl. And I'm Jeff Saunders. And that was Hitting the Bar, the football podcast.